Hi, and welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about Annie, the old version from whatever year it is. <laughs> what year is it from? It is from 1982. The just, 1982 version. Just like you. That's the year I was born. This movie is exactly the same age as me. Well, I don't know about exactly. Anyway, Jan, do you want to tell us more about this movie? <laughs> I just had to look up when exactly it was released, which was, oh, it is slightly older than you. Ah. Uh, it was released in June and you were born in August. That's pretty close, though. Yeah, very close. Annie is a 1982 musical film adapted from the Broadway musical of the same name, which is also a which is based on the comic strip of the same name. No, of a different name, Little Orphan Annie. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is directed by John Huston, scripted by Carol Sobleski. It stars a very young Eileen Quinn as Annie, also Albert Finney, Carol Burnett, Anne Ranking, Tim Curry, Bernadette Peters, Jeffrey Holder, Edward Herman. And a bunch of kids. And a whole bunch of kid actors who are adorable. Paul, will you tell us a little bit about the plot of Annie? Annie is an orphan living with the unkind and uncaring Miss Hannigan. But when rich Mr. Warbucks decides to adopt an orphan for a week for PR reasons, uh, Annie warms his heart and he decides to adopt her forever. Unfortunately, Miss Hannigan's con artist brother tries to claim that he is Annie's father and his girlfriend is Annie's mother so that they can claim the reward that Mr. Warbucks has put out to for finding Annie's real parents. They kidnap Annie, but thanks to the help of orphans, Warbucks and company recover Annie, and she is adopted, and everyone lives happily ever after. Including Except, including Miss Hannigan, for some reason. Including Miss Hannigan. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And there's singing. There is lots of singing and musical and dance numbers in this movie. So objectively speaking, how good of a job do you think everyone on this movie is doing? And let's start, since it's a musical, like... It is not an objective reality. It's very subjective to say musicals are good. Mm -hmm. But I think musicals are good. So, yeah. And you agree with me, yes? Yes, we'll start with that baseline. So whether you think musicals are good or not, though, as a musical, how good is Annie? How good are the songs in Annie? There are several good songs. Tomorrow is, you know, the breakaway hit that is kind of annoying. <laughs> it is kind of like the standard annoying Broadway song. Yeah. But that being said, I think it's got lots of good songs, lots of good music, great performances in this in this uh, movie adaptation, especially from Carol Burnett. Uh, Eileen Quinn does a great job of singing. Yeah, I think. And the whole I think the uh, chorus of children, mm -hmm. the girls, do really well. Yes, absolutely. 
they have their moments of up and they have their ups and downs. But on the whole, I think they're doing really well. On the whole, these all the child actors were hired for their excellent singing ability. Yes. They were not hired for their excellent acting ability. <laughs> they vary in degrees of acting, but none of them are that great of actors. Sadly, including Eileen Quinn, she does a fairly good job, but I feel like when I was watching this, especially with like the stairs in it, they really wanted her to be Shirley Temple. Oh yeah, for sure. But she is not Shirley Temple, especially she's not a dancer. Like no. she, like there are some good dancers in this. Anne Reiking is like a fantastic dancer. Yes. Who plays Grace uh, something. Farrell. Grace Farrell. And she has a couple of moments where they show off her dancing yeah. ability for sure. So definitely she's a dancer going into this, but they... They wanted an, the next Shirley Temple, and she was not. And I think there will never be another Shirley Temple, just to, like, side note, because Shirley Temple was mistreated and yeah. forced to be that good. And they didn't, they will never treat another child that way. Yeah. God willing. Yeah. I thought that she did fine. Yeah, absolutely. Better than fine. Absolutely. Better than fine. Her singing was was quite good. Her acting was good, not great, but good, and her mm-hmm. dancing was completely fine. Yeah. It was certainly wasn't bad. No, 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 no. Definitely not bad, but just, yeah. Yeah. Not breakout, standout, the best thing I've ever seen kind of thing. No. Uh, Daddy Warbucks, Albert Finney's Daddy Warbucks, you know, he's chewing the scenery with his ridiculous over the top, <laughs> but he's great. He's a lot of fun to watch, and he's, I mean, musicals are over the top, and he does a Great job of being that. I thought he did a great job. I thought his performance was great. Yeah. Tim Curry, of course. Oh, I mean, who doesn't love Tim Curry? We were talking about the music and you went into the performance. I'm sorry. Yes. Do you have more to say about the music? Just that you said uh, tomorrow is kind of annoying. I think when we get to seriously, I'll come back to this. But I think tomorrow in the context of the movie is a better song than it gets credit for. Mm, Yeah. In terms of what it means for the themes of the story. Yes, absolutely. Musically, it is a little bit saccharine. Yep. For sure. It's a Hard Knock Life uh, is simply a great song. Mm. Lyrically, musically, it's really well done. I think from an objective perspective, it's the strongest song in the show. Yeah, I'd say so. So not objectively, moving on to how much you like Annie. How much do you like Annie? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love Danny. (laughs) I mean, both the movie, I was in a production of Annie as a high schooler, um, playing like a handful of, I was basically, I was an understudy for Rooster, Mm -hmm. and then a bunch of other uh, roles was what I actually played. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've seen the show and been in it, and then seen the movie a number of times, I allow myself, you know, uh, you listeners know that I allow my heartstrings to be tugged by Tiny Tim, so of course Annie gets to me. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I I mean, you tweeted this uh, when we were watching it. Mm -hmm. I'll say like, I got, if you're keeping your tally of did Paul cry during the movie, yes, twice in this movie. (laughs) Once, like at the beginning when she's singing... Her song about her parents, like, betcha maybe. there. Maybe. Uh, and when she sings about her parents, that was moving to me. 
But it's when then it shows all the orphans in their beds and that like, maybe there's someone who mm -hmm. wants me. Betcha he reads, betcha she sews. Maybe she's made me a closet of clothes. Maybe they're strict, as straight as a line. Don't really care as long as they're mine. Oh my goodness. So maybe now this prayer's the last one of its kind. Won't you please come get your baby? And how, like, what kind of monster do you have to be to not let that move you? Because there are children who don't have parents who want, who are wishing that maybe there'll be someone who will want me and take care of me. Yeah. And like the, there's a, Annie has saccharine moments for sure. It's a real wish fulfillment fantasy. I will talk about that, I think. Mm -hmm. But it's part of what makes that work is it's, it's grounded in actually looking at some real hardship yeah for sure so i like a movie that pulls on my uh heartstrings i like a lot of the songs in annie uh i think the movie annie's a bit long i won't argue that but i still really enjoy it how about you i kind of like it like i like it i feel like it's uh it's really, really cheesy. <laughs> like, I know you're saying that it tugs in your heart strings and you have to be a monster and blah, blah, blah. Maybe I am that monster. <laughs> because, like, I like Annie. It's good. But, like, whew, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit much sometimes. All right. And I've seen it a lot of times. And I wasn't in it but my high school did the musical and so that tomorrow song got sung just like too many times i've heard yeah. it too many times in my life in it's the over. musical on the stage performance yeah they sing tomorrow like four times yeah exactly the movie has the sense to only do it once and then i think it's only like over the credits that it, there's a reprise i don't think they actually sing it again mm -hmm. yeah the, the stage show does it, I think, four times. Yeah, there's a lot of times. It's true. <laughs> so, I mean, I like it. I do like it. But it wasn't my choice to watch it this time. And I don't... I'd like to watch it maybe once more in my lifetime and be done. Like, I'm good with watching it. <laughs> I'd like to see the, the current one. Yeah, I was going to say, why did we watch the 82 version and not the current one? Should we... Well, I don't actually know why. Our kids chose the old one. Because our kids chose. Like, yeah. We heard... Why we watched this movie really is... Uh, we heard a song from Annie on the radio. Uh, because I sometimes listen to show tunes in the car with my kids. Um, and the kids were like, Oh, could we watch Annie for this Friday? I said, sure. There's two movies of Annie. There's the one you've already seen... And there's a newer one that I haven't seen. I don't know whether it's good or not. It might be better. It might be less good. Which one do you want to see? And they said, the one we've seen before, the one we've seen before. So that was why. Yeah. But uh, our older daughter said, have you ever talked about Annie on your podcast? I said, no. And she said, maybe we could watch the old one 
and then the new one, and you can talk about them both. So we might. So we might. I don't think we're going to watch the new one next week. No, definitely not. But we'll put it on the list of things to watch eventually. Mm -hmm. So let's get into the way Way too too seriously portion of our show. Because there is a lot to take way too seriously. I think there really is. Where do you want to start? Well, let's start with two characters who are not even in the stage musical, who are invented solely for this movie, and who are racist AF. (laughs) I'm going to censor myself there. Why, whatever do you mean, Jan? We have Punjab, the Sikh man with magical powers. Is he? I mean... Seek in quotation I think you're marks. Saying seek because you know more than the movie does. That, yeah, like, you're interpreting the turban as being seek. That's true. Not seek. Do, turban doesn't necessarily mean seek, but it often does. I think he is not necessarily supposed to be seek. He's just supposed to be pan oriental. Right. And then the the asp, the other bodyguard slash chauffeur. The Asp. The Asp. And so we have two men from of Asian descent. Uh, Punjab is supposed to be like Indian. The so, Asp is Japanese or Chinese. I don't know the actor. The actor who plays Punjab is actually from Barbados. Yeah. <laughs> so not Indian no. at all. No. Um. And the, of the two, oh, like, geez. Yeah. the Asp is a pretty small presence. Like, he teaches mm-hmm. Annie karate, and yes. he's, it's like, it's not good. He's, but it's, ex- he's like, what's his name from the Green Hornet? Yeah. Who's sort the, of Kato. Kato. He's a pretty small presence. Like, I would, it's not good, but it's not uh, much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not good, but at least there's not much of it. But Punjab is a major presence oh, in the movie. Oh, yes. Major and presence. every time he shows up, he's like, Buddha say. He does like Buddha say. Yeah. And then like he he's does magic. He makes things fly. And he like waves his hand over Daddy Warbucks's knee and fixes it when it's hurt. And he like, he is, manages to be both magical asian and magical negro at the same time yep and his name is punjab it's like having a canadian character named saskatchewan (laughs) it's not a name no it's an area of india like it's just it's it's real bad it's real bad it's real bad yeah why why is it real bad paul i mean do we didn't didn't we already say (laughs) i don't know just like because make sure you spell it out for our our listeners i'd I'd say it's real bad for three reasons Mm -hmm. at least at least one is it is a hallmark of uh prejudice of racism that to look this uh he's a pan-asian stereotype Mm -hmm. the lack of specificity is a thing right it's the you all you people all look the same but it's like you know, people attacking Sikhs after 9-11 because it doesn't... The difference between Muslim and Sikh is not important. Yeah. Because foreigners are foreigners. Yeah. And so you have him in a turban, played by a Barbadian, 
uh, with an Indian name, but uh, with a name of an area of India, but uh, citing Buddha, like it's just all a mishmash, right? Yeah, that's bad because for the same. I mean, we covered this in the past, but because uh, people are specific. They're not general, and mashing together all these differences is this kind of thoughtless stereotyping. Yeah. Then it's bad because he's magic. Mm-hmm. Because that making him this magic person who can make ropes fly and airplanes fly and hypnotize dogs and whatever is a kind of othering. It makes it demonstrates that he is not a person. In the same sort of way that Annie and Daddy Warbucks are, even though they are both caricatured and very broadly drawn, they are not uh, magic. Mm-hmm. Not, he's like the turban, and the way that he stands is more reminiscent of like a genie than a Sikh. You know, like he's yeah, like a absolutely. cartoon genie yeah, who does he magic. Really is. He's, he's like a genie, right? It's dehumanizing mm-hmm. of him as an individual. Yeah. And of, like, any of the many uh, elements that come into the mishmash of making him, like, the the mishmash that they use to create him as a character. Yeah. Right? And, like, if this was the kind of movie, the kind of musical where you'd have a genie, it might be more acceptable, though maybe not. But this isn't, there's nothing about this musical that, needs a supernatural character at all no so out of place and then the third is just that uh punjab and the asp are the two characters of color in the movie yeah so like if two-thirds of this cast were people of color it would be bad for the two other reasons (laughs) already still Mm -hmm. but it would take away to like this is our only uh representation of non-white people yeah. Is like, they're these foreign, not just foreign, they're these magical, mystical creatures that are barely human mm-hmm. and are undifferentiated as like, they're just weirdly other. And it like puts Orientalism right on top of uh, like Orientalism uh, is this whole way of seeing the world in terms of the East and the West. And the West is, n- to really super simplify it, the West is normal. Mm hmm. The East is weird and yeah. exotic. And it puts that right on top of all the, like, anti-African, uh, anti-black racisms. Yeah. Because you have him played by a undifferentiated dark skin, doesn't matter who you are. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, like, it's, it's very bad. It's very bad. I want to talk a bit about gender in this movie. Mm-hmm. Because if what this movie does about race is really bad... I think what it does about gender is more complicated. I agree. I agree. Because there are ups and there are downs. One of the, I'm going to start with some of the ups that I think are actually really great about how this movie treats gender. And one of the real high points is that Annie is tough. Mm-hmm. The one, she starts off, uh, someone's picking on one of the orphan girls and she's like, Back to bed! Now! Or you'll have me to deal with. And everyone backs off. And then later she's out on the street and rescuing Sandy the dog. And there's a whole bunch of big 
boys, like, all a head taller than she is, and she, like, beats them up. Mm-hmm. She punches one out, and then she punches another one out, and she's like, who's next? And they all run away. And, like, it makes me think that um, a lot of good things, I love seeing uh, that, because it is not what we might expect from a girl. Mm-hmm. It also makes me think that gender roles have only calcified since 1982. Yeah. That we might have seen that in 1982. We sure as sheep are not seeing it in 26, 2018. Do you think it's 2016? I'm just, when did the uh, when did the other Annie movie come out? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that movie, so maybe we do see it, but I bet we don't. Mm-hmm. Because gender roles have gotten stricter. Not looser since then, I think. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't think that Annie beating up those boys was intended... The, I don't think the movie was intending that as a provocative statement about gender. No, I don't think so either. But if you did it now, it would be. Yeah. Like, it might happen in a movie these days, but it's, like, deliberately provocative, which and is ridiculous. And that was just, like... Annie is cool and tough and awesome and great at everything. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they're they're characterizing her as the best orphan of all the orphans. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but the way it read to me is kind of a little bit. Um, maybe goes even further back to like, uh, if you know anything about the history of representations of children in uh, literature, from like the Victorian and middle ages like childhood was invented in the victorian era basically (laughs) yep uh and there's a real sense in quite old uh literature of like children are just children and that gender norms happen at puberty and before then children are just children and like you don't care about you know they're 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 they've been the victorians invent childhood (laughs) And by that, I mean in the Middle Ages and uh, later, people basically expected children to be little adults. Yeah. And the Victorian, in the response to uh, workhouses and having children work, they started to think of children as being a separate uh, class of person. But at first, they kind of thought of them as undifferentiated. It was not uncommon to think of, to refer to a child as it. Mm-hmm. Because a child is a child. Whether it's a boy child or a girl child, a child is not relevant. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if the Little Orphan Annie still kind of uh, comic strip still kind of has that worldview. Hmm. And that's what's lasting all the way into the movie. That's an interesting point. I don't know. I'm not that familiar with the comic strip. No, so I could just be wrong. But I wonder. Hmm. But Annie is great, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like... The way that they treat Annie, the movie treats Annie, is that she's, like, a extremely competent, extremely uh, optimistic, and ridiculously optimistic. But it doesn't treat all of that, like, I think, like it is uh, gendered. Mm-hmm. She's not optimistic because she's a girl. Yeah, absolutely. She's optimistic because she's Annie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I really like it. Mm-hmm. I also kind of like, for the big first part of the movie, like, part of 
what I like to see in terms of representations of gender in movies is you don't want you don't want your representations of women to be flat and cookie cutter. So when you give them nuance, mm -hmm. that's a good thing. Yeah. Whether they're good, likable, or unlikable is not the point. Right? Whether they're yeah. nuanced is what's the point. Yeah. So there's a lot of things about the way Carol Burnett plays Miss Hannigan that I like a lot too. Absolutely. For the first like sometimes. Yeah. Definitely Miss Hannigan <clears throat> has a lot of complex things about her. Yeah. And is drunk and making gin. I just remember like watching the movie now versus watching the movie when I was a kid. When I was a kid, she was like, I don't know, she's always playing in the bath. And now as an adult, I'm like, oh, she's making gin in her bath. Yeah. <laughs> it's bathtub gin. Anyway. And she's a drunk and but she's also just like she's doing the best she can she's in stuck in the depression and yeah. her way of making money is running an orphanage and how she maintains some of that thing some of that is she uses her sexuality to yeah. get uh to like get favors to like the the laundry she's hitting on the laundry man she's hitting on the policeman Kind of because she's desperate for love, but kind of because that's how she needs to stay in business. And that's a scary reality for a lot of women. I think it shows a vulnerability and uh, uh, the dangerous side of being a woman, especially in the Depression. I think for sure. And like, not to say that Miss Canning is awful, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We don't. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe you do. But <laughs> don't want to put words in your mouth. I certainly don't think that she's, that any of this excuses her behavior. Not at all. No. But it humanizes her. Like she has, like even Little Girls, which is a funny song and like she's stumbling all around. But like uh, lines in it like, I am an ordinary woman with feelings. I like a man to nibble on my ear, but I'll admit no man has bit. So how come I'm the mother of the year? Yeah. That's a funny line and Carol Burnett uh, delivers it, like gets every drop of humor out of it that she can. But it also gives her some real complex, some real complexity in her mm -hmm. past and her motivations, right? Yeah, exactly. She is in a situation that she feels she can't escape and uh, doesn't want to be in. And she has desires that are completely stymied that she'll never get to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And that does not excuse any of her behavior. But it makes her a more interesting character. And is she redeemed by the end? The movie wants, kind of wants us to think she's redeemed. Because they have her, like, sitting on top of an elephant in the final kind of number. Okay. Being okay. See? Basically because she tells Rooster not to kill her. Not to kill Annie. Yeah, Rooster's about to kill Annie, and Miss Hannigan has like a, oh, he's really going to kill her. And I think that has its root in sexism. I think that has its root in, we can't have a woman, uh, like we have to kind of benevolent sexism. She's uh, 
can't actually want children to die. She can't be as bad as all that. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that I don't like that at all. Yeah. I'd be much happier to see Miss Hannigan in jail. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can't believe she's not in jail by the end. And like, because she doesn't literally kill Annie, all is forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> like. That's not redemptive at all. No. And I I just really think that the movie ha- has to say that uh, the worst kinds of child abuse are men. Hmm. Because it it just shies away a little bit from actually giving Miss Hannigan enough humanity to let her be really bad. Hmm. You know? Interesting. That's my read on it. That's your in read the on end. it. And it's like, why can she ride an element at the end? Because she's not really human. No. <laughs> so her actions don't really have matter haven't really mattered. Mm-hmm. Right? And because the girls are now safe, everything is fine. Yeah. Somehow. Somehow. Daddy Warbucks adopts Annie and then somehow frees all the other little girls. Like, he's not adopting them. Yeah, that, I think, I'm happy to hand wave that, that somehow things are better for them. Yeah, I mean, it's a musical. Yeah. Annie is representative of the girls when when she ends up better off. They all vicariously do too. Yeah. That's not realism, but it's symbolism. Yeah. And that's what the whole movie is. Like, that's fine with me. Yeah. But Miss Hannigan being like, she's part of our celebration now. I am not okay with. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Anything else in terms of gender you want to talk about? Well, I mean, what I noticed about this movie is it definitely passes the Bechdel test. It has so many female characters. But then it also has this, like, long sequence in the middle where they go to the theater and you get a whole, like, Rockettes Uh dance number. And, like, the Rockettes, I side-eye the Rockettes. They're pretty (laughs) sexist. They're pretty, like... You have to be a certain height and you have to be a certain, like, and you're just, like, there to, like, sexily kick. I don't get the Rockettes at all. There's, I think, a dehumanization built into the Rockettes. That's what I mean. Dehumanization. That they're, what makes them impressive is that they all kick exactly the same in exactly the same time and it's de-individualizing and that's dehumanizing. Yeah, they're well, just a well line being, of nice legs. Well being sexy. Yeah. Because it's like dance troops that all dance together are amazing. Like that's not something to say boo about, but it's the sexualization of the Rockettes that they're basically is just a bunch of legs. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you have that whole part in the middle with that, like, it, it, I just question it. Why is that even in there? Is that just to, like, keep people around It's because for the if musical? you're going to uh, represent Depression-era high-living glitziness, the Rockettes are the height of that. I guess. I guess. I don't know. I think, like, are you saying that uh, you think that sequence is there to be like male gazy eye candy for yes. the because i think that all you have in this movie is little girls everyone's really dirty and then oh let's have a big sequence where you have sexy women just to keep people interested in keeping to watch this movie 
because they wouldn't be interested in any anything else other than to have a little bit of sex appeal in the middle. I'm not... I don't... I'm not sure I think that's what's going on. Because the movie sequence... Basically, because the movie sequence is long and boring. Uh, and it... I think everything about that movie sequence is a misguided attempt to show, like, what high living in the 20s is like. Yeah, okay. And I don't think... Just because it's boring doesn't mean it wasn't intended to be... to yeah. not be boring. I know it wasn't intended. I'm sure it wasn't intended to be boring. <laughs> <laughs> I just read that whole movie sequence in Annie a lot like the whole uh, Broadway fever dream gotta dance gotta dance sequence in Singing in the Rain. <laughs> yes, which is the worst scene in any movie ever. Yes, I agree. And I don't think like, I'm not really, I guess I'm not really arguing that maybe the Rockettes are there as sex appeal. This um, is all I'm saying. So maybe you're right. They're there as sex appeal in a movie because there isn't any otherwise, and I think that's silly and ridiculous. I think that could be true. I think they could also easily be thoughtlessly their glitzy 20s high living. Yeah, but since when do we forgive thoughtlessly? Thoughtlessly no, is the whole point. <laughs> I know. I don't, I'm not forgive it because it's uh, thoughtlessly. I'm just trying to interrogate it. Fair enough. I'm just trying to figure out exactly what's going on because I'm interested, mm -hmm. not to pardon it. Does it make sense that Daddy Warbucks and Grace fall in love? No. That completely is tacked on. Yes. And I want Annie to have mother and a father, but there's that actually isn't spelled out at all. It's just like, Mr. Warbucks is adopting her. He... and. There's a weirdness of, like, we're, we can adopt her, but we're not a we, you're his staff. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I think uh, that is tacked on for two reasons. I think that is definitely tacked on for uh, compulsory heterosexuality. You have to have a romantic plot. You have yeah. to have two, a man and a woman get together. I think uh, w that there's trying to rake a little bit of sex appeal out of her dancing at some points. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the other reason that that's tacked on, that they felt they needed to tack that on, is because they have to end the movie with her in a traditional nuclear family with a mother and a father who are romantically connected. Yes. I like Annie getting a mother and a father. I would, like, it's not a traditional family, and I would have been quite tickled by, like, you know, it's a traditional billionaire, his adopted orphan, and his secretary, billionaire and his secretary together raising an adoptive or orphan. They're not in a relationship. Like, Yeah, exactly. I don't think you need, I think the relation, the romantic relationship between them is unnecessary in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And it's creepy. Like, it's gross. Yeah, because he's her Because he's her employer. When he starts like, oh, you look very pretty. Yeah. It's, it's like, gross. Yeah. Gross, absolutely, dude. Absolutely. It makes him a less uh, sympathetic character. Mm -hmm. He's he's like this bombastic, in some ways already unsympathetic, because he's like... But that's all played for laughs. Yeah. Right? His republicanism and capitalism is played to be funny that like he's a cold-hearted industrialist with actually a heart of gold. Yeah. But the, like, who hits on his secretary. 
Yeah. That is not played for laughs. That is the movie thinking this is a good romantic pairing, and it is not. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you want to talk a bit about capitalism? Oh, boy. (laughs) It's very interesting to have this set in the 30s with such a discrepancy between rich and poor. Yes. And to have him swoop in and save Annie and to kind of, I guess, save the other orphans as well. But there's still so much poverty everywhere in contrast to to Daddy Warbucks and all his opulence. And that isn't really interrogated at all. It's just there, you know, that he arrives on the street in his, like, limousine and everyone's out of their houses and staring at him and... But... He only plucks one, he only helps one person. He's still really interested in just making more and more money and more and more money off the backs of these people. Mm-hmm. There's a like, I think I said earlier 20s, but obviously it's the 30s. It's the yeah, it's the 30s. I know that that was just a brain fart. So forgive me if I said 20s ever. I think I did. Um, <laughs> I'm of two minds. Okay, so. What actually, before I even say of my two minds, what do you think is the movie's perspective on capitalism? Because there's a couple of lines where, like, the Bolsheviks are trying to assassinate Daddy Warbucks <laughs> because he's living proof that America, that capitalism works and they can't have that. Um, do you think that the movie, in, and, and also he's a Republican and he believes in capitalism and money's all he cares about, but then the president is FDR and they... Uh, tries to talk him into being a soft-hearted Democrat and the New Deal, right? Yeah. Do you think that the movie's perspective is uh, endorsing Republican capitalism <laughs> or skewering it? Or, like, what do you think is the movie's perspective on both Republican Democrat, but also more particularly like the wealthy industrialist type as of Daddy Warbucks. Is that a good thing according to this movie? I think this movie is confused. It doesn't know what it thinks. But I think in general it's the fact that it's trying to convince him to be more soft hearted, more uh democratic or whatever is or democrat versus republican whatever it is in the states um <laughs> that that it, that's the end goal is for him to be more soft-hearted and sympathetic and whatever but on the other hand it's still really celebrating him and celebrating richness mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of interrogating his richness at all and there's also a part when they're in the Oval Office, they're trying to, like, solve poverty or whatever. They're like, if they just put in a little bit of work, then the poor people will not be poor anymore. We can help them well, do the this premise, and that. And I mean, that you was... know, the premise of the New Deal was FDR, instead of welfare, wanted workfare, where he wanted to pay people to work uh, and set up thousands of public works projects so he wanted to create jobs like that was the that's i just want like that's built into the history Mm. see and i didn't really know the history there so that like fdr's speech of like we want to give them work so they can have dignity like that's just 
historical. <laughs> gotcha. See, I was concerned that it was like, oh, the poor aren't working hard enough, so we'll make them work, and then they'll be good, good enough, because the only trouble is that they're not, they're lazy. FDR's whole idea was that people were poor because although they wanted to work and had a good work ethic, there weren't opportunities for them to work. So he created a bunch of public works projects and hired people and paid them not much. Uh, and we can criticize that if we want to and probably should, but paid them to do, to cre like created a bunch, artificially created a whole ton of jobs. Hmm. Okay. Well then, I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what do you think the movie is saying? <laughs> I think it's, I think it is, uh, confused, but I think like there's a few moments, I think the lines of like daddy Warbucks is proof that capitalism works is not meant as an endorsement of capitalism. We're not supposed to come after that scene being like, yeah, you're right. Capitalism does work. Yeah. Right. And likewise, he has a kind of throwaway line where he's telling Annie why he wants to adopt her. And he's like, I came to America. And in those days, America was the land of opportunity. Hmm. And you could read that as Daddy Warbuck saying that now in the 30s, America is no longer in the, the world of opportunity. Or you could read that as the movie saying now in 1982, America is no longer the world of opportunity. And I think it kind of works as both. Yeah. And in both cases, it's a criticism of American capitalism. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. In those days, every, every, every generation there is like make america great again it used to be great back then back then oh know, but right? they're back then every time oh but then back then was even better <laughs> i've said that a lot of times just to be clear i'm you know going back further and further in generation saying back then <laughs> i think it's built into little orphan annie like as a comic strip it's a fantasy story in the depression that was written in the depression yeah about like what if someone could just pull us out of poverty, yeah. right? And there's, I can't, I can criticize the politics, uh, but I can't not find, I can't not be moved by that kind of aspirational fantasy. Like, what if our lives could just be better? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I find that moving. Yeah. No matter how misguided I think the politics are. And so the way that they live in this, like, dirty, run-down, impoverished area of New York and just a limousine comes in and pulls her right out of it and they all come with her. Yeah. Because uh, it's not really an economic policy. It's a, a fantasy of... It's an escape fantasy. Yeah. And everyone watching this movie is supposed to be... You're supposed to identify with the orphans. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. You don't see yourself watching this movie as Daddy Warbucks. You see yourself as Annie and the possibility that something can symbolically pull you out of your, uh, what seems like a dead end to you. And that's where, yeah. like, tomorrow is actually, I think, in the context of the movie, in the context of the story of the movie, a way better song than it seems like because it has, like... Sun will come up tomorrow, so you've got to hang on till tomorrow. Hmm. It's like not a key line, mm -hmm. but I think it is a key line for what that song is about. That song yeah. is not about like cockeyed, uh, blind optimism. 
of like, no matter what you do, everything's just going to get better eventually. That's not what tomorrow is about. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow is about like, just hang on. <laughs> that's not the same message. Yeah. And in the context, like, that's why tomorrow was the other moment in the movie that I got misty eyed because it's not about like everything just gets better magically so much as it's about uh don't despair <laughs> <laughs> right yeah and I, I don't know how not to be moved by that yeah it's a good point it's not about procrast like in like it's not procrastination. People are like, tomorrow, people don't ever do anything because they think it's going to be about tomorrow. Like, that's not what that song's about or what Annie is about. It's about, like, Depression-era America when you there's no jobs and there's no money and look at Miss Hannigan and, like, she's horrible and why is she doing this job that she hates and is terrible at? because she doesn't feel like she has any choice and yeah. the moment when uh when uh grace what's her name daddy warbeck's secretary really wants to force miss hannigan to do what she wants she says like there's a lot of people lined up for your job and then miss hannigan's like do whatever you want yeah like, she's terrified mm -hmm. right yeah absolutely and that's where they're like just hang on till tomorrow yeah that's a really good point do you have anything to say about orphans Hmm. I have a lot to say about this movie, and maybe we need to not say all of it. Yeah. Can I just say, though, that it's really interesting that they're called orphans, they're in an orphanage, Annie assumes that she has parents out there somewhere. So it makes they her different. Just, they just dropped her off. Yeah. And they're coming back, because that's the kind of thing that might happen in the Depression. Yeah. Is they might just drop off their, their child at an orphanage because they can't take care of them in a way that, like, an orphan means your parents are dead. And it yeah. eventually turns out that her parents are dead. But just that idea of all the orphans might think on some level that, like, oh, my parents are coming back. They just dropped me off. In the movie, it's pretty textually established that Annie is different because she has parents. No one else thinks they have parents. No one else thinks they have parents? Yeah, no. you might be true. You might be right. It's what makes Annie different from all the other orphans, that mm. she believes she has parents. Yeah. Um, just to, to come back to something I just noticed in my quick uh, Google here about Annie, Punjab and the Asp were in the comic strip. All right. So that is where they come from. They, they did not make the transition to the stage musical, but they did make the transition to only this version of Annie. Great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and of course, in the comic strip, they are super, super stereotypes. Like, I'm, I'm shocked to yes. hear that 1930s comics were racist. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. There's some pictures here I'm seeing that are like, oh boy, okay. <laughs> you said there's a, a few more things that maybe we don't need to have in-depth discussions, but just to bring them up. Um, you said... When before we started recording, that Annie might be a prototype for the kind of uh, optimistic female character that we've found problematic in the past. Well, I was thinking about you were talking when we talked about Zootopia, how Judy Hopps 
is this really optimistic female who's like overcoming all the odds and you were saying how much like oh i love this character it's like leslie nope it's like judy hops it's like who else joy it's like joy from inside out and then suddenly you were like huh why do i like this kind of character who's only positive and i feel like annie and pollyanna and anne of green gables and pippi longstocking are all these redheaded girls, except <laughs> Pollyanna, uh, who grow up to be Leslie Nope, who grow up to be Judy Hopps. And is there a problem there where you have these overly positive representations of women where, like, they're positive no matter what, no matter what terrible, terrible odds come to them. They are positive and wonderful and finding the sunshiny goodness in everything. And... Yes, that's a good thing, but in other ways, there needs to be the opportunity for a full range of emotion, for a full range of feeling in both men and women. And this idea of relentless positivity in children, in uh, girls and women has some issues that deserve to be investigated and deserve to be looked at. Yeah. And I think we need to keep investigating why we like that and why it maybe has some problems. And you like it with someone like Annie. You like it because uh, it reinforces the idea that, well, grumpy poor people, it's a character flaw. Yeah, exactly. Right? If you had a strong enough character, you'd still be good-hearted and cheerful and kind uh, no matter what your circumstances, mm-hmm. it's a way that privileged people get to tell themselves that uh, the bad attitude of the unprivileged is their own fault. Yes, exactly, exactly. I think I think that's the mm-hmm. root of it, and that you shouldn't be angry about your lot in life. You exactly. should be positive, and then things will change magically because things always change when you're as positive as possible. And like, well, that's not really true. Sometimes anger is what gets stuff done. I know. And I can't say, like, I can't deny, I love Annie. I love Anna Green Gables. I don't like Pollyanna, but I love Anna Green Gables. I love Pippi Longstockings. The list of people you named, I'm like, they're all great. I know, they're amazing. I love them so much. So much. I love Annie's, like, attitude. Yeah. (laughs) But sometimes we gotta be aware of when it's too much and when they're not i think anna green gables for example is allowed to be negative sometimes and that's a good thing she's she's a much more well-rounded character she's she has her like (laughs) depths of despair as much as the heights of uh of ecstasy yep um the other kind of thing i wanted to just bring up that we've kind of talked about, and I don't think we need to have a big conversation unless you have lots to say about it, but this is a movie about orphans, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, about children and how we treat children and how we should. And um, one of the reasons that I think Annie, I've said this, but one of the reasons I think Annie works so well is that like the hard knock life that they have, Mm -hmm. it, shies from it from the worst like real life uh gets a lot worse than this but it still shows it as being pretty bad yeah right absolutely and that 
is important for what for making the formula of the story work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Anything else you feel like you want to say about Annie? I don't think so. I think I'd love to hear if you, like Annie, hate Annie, have been in a musical production of Annie like Paul has. <laughs> um, if you've seen the 2016 Annie... Yeah, tell us if it's worth it. Yeah, sure. I haven't seen it. I haven't really heard much about it except from racists who didn't want it to exist. Oh, right. Yes, I remember uh, that. So if that's your opinion, keep it to yourself. But otherwise, if you've <laughs> seen it, I'd love to just hear what you think of it. We'll probably watch it anyway, but... I find it hard to imagine a modern day Annie only because like kids in the thirties are allowed to just like wander wherever and be free and kids in 20 whatevers. uh, If you see a kid on the street without their parents, you're making sure that they have a parent and etc. Also, it's a lot of this movie is about the kind of wish fulfillment that comes from like abject poverty and I don't deny that abject poverty exists in 2016, but it isn't like a uh, depression, a whole society that feels like it's under the weight of crushing hopelessness, mm-hmm. <laughs> the way that the depression was. Or maybe, or maybe it, it was. I don't know, Paul. I don't know. There is some crushing hopelessness even now. There's more now than <sighs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, if you want to talk to us about some crushing hopelessness, you can contact us on Twitter. Just try to avoid all the racists. At WTScast. Um, you can email us way too seriously cast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to hear more of it, we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash clockworkscast. And you could uh, rate us and review us as well and share the good news of WTS with all <laughs> your friends and relatives. What else can people do? How else can people get a hold of us? Oh, we're on Instagram. Paul's yeah. been posting some pictures that he's drawing. I'll maybe try and post a picture of this horribly racist Punjab guy sure. like from the comics. I found some like pogs or something of them. <laughs> yeah, I've ma- I've done a like... <laughs> Lately, I've been doing a drawing to go with each movie that we watch, and that's available on Instagram. And I haven't done an Annie one yet, but I will, and it'll be there. Yep. We're also on Facebook and Reddit. All of the links are, as always, are in our show notes, which you can find in your podcast player of choice. So. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And the sun will come out tomorrow. Will it, though? Well, I mean, in Newfoundland, it might not, actually. It probably won't. We're, we're pretty <laughs> cloudy around here almost all the time. When the sun comes out, we do seriously rejoice and dance in the streets. <laughs>